And welcome back to the square, Jim and Henry. It's it's the, the two of us holding it down the fort this week. I like to think of us as the uh, the diamond dogs, Jim. Yeah, uh, as Bill Callahan would say. <laughs> I, I was thinking David Bowie, but you know, you're you're Diamond Jim, and I'm the I, I'm the big dog. Woof 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 woof. woof. Redog redog redog. Yes, Jim. We are. Uh, coming back at the listeners here, you know, they love, they love this. They love, they love the hot goss. Yeah. They love the scuttlebutt. What a great word that is scuttlebutt. Mm-hmm. People don't use that enough for my liking. And we got some piping hot goss dropped in our lap uh, about a week and a half ago now. Of course, I am referring to the announcement of one. Nate McMurray for County Executive. Nate, watch! Wee, 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 wee. Eh, 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 eh. All five alarms. Yep. That's that's like, that's hot. We've been, we've been building to this point our entire lives. Friends, I prayed for days like this. I prayed. I prayed. I knew it. I knew it. I knew he wasn't just going to be private citizen Nate McMurray. I knew he would be that guy... He just can't get enough. He loves it. He loves it. Jim, I've never met somebody so dedicated to posting and losing elections. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's amazing. Like, other than, like, Donald J. Trump, uh, who also is really into posting and losing elections. Um, yeah, this is our own little left version of Donald Trump here in West New York. It's amazing because I feel like his posting cadence is very similar to Trump's. Like in another life, you know, I mean, he really could have been like the the reflection of Trump. Right. Yeah. It's two similar brains. If he was the the scion of an incredibly wealthy real estate family, we could have had him on the national stage. That's true. You know, you were born under the wrong uh, the wrong moon there. Nate, may, you may, know? Maybe. Maybe the county executive race is just a trial balloon before he runs for the Democratic nomination for president. I mean, if if Mayor Pete can run for president and be taken seriously, why not? Why not, Nate, Jim? I mean, you know, we we longtime listeners of this show know that Nate McMurray has an adoring fan base, a, a loving group of people who will just give him money for being hot. Yeah. Yeah, we don't get that. And we don't get that enough, I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that. And we, as the two diamond dogs here, mm-hmm. we deserve it. But Nate McMurray throws his hat in the race against Mark Polenkar. So uh, I think we're, you know, we're obligated, Jim, to put on our Square Podcast political commentator hats. I know we like to make jokes and goofs and, you know, jibes and, and, and poke fun here and there. But Unfortunately for us, now we actually have to take a Nate McMurray seriously as a candidate. So I don't think we have to take him that seriously. Okay, done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, never mind. I, I I just I don't see him as a serious candidate. Like uh, I don't see him having much sway. I don't. I think his constituency is very small. His constituency tends to be like rural Democrats, which there aren't a lot of. If there were, you know, races in Wales and Marilla would go differently, uh, and. Maybe like very far left individuals, which is again a pretty small constituency, and both of those constituencies don't have the best track record for showing up and voting. And even that, like the far left, like McMurray, I think he assumes that like he has like leftists, but a lot of the ones I know like don't take him seriously. Like he, because he he tweets out there like he's like the our local version of Trump, like the you know the the poor man's Trump here. Um, I think that. He just has a limited reach. You know, I think of like, you know, my parents who I use as like political bellwethers and that like they're both registered unaffiliated. They live in a second ring suburb. They vote every single election. They never miss an election. They've never missed an election since they were 18. And uh, they both would never vote for Nate McMurray. And my, my mom is a blank, but she trends Democrat. My father actually kind of. Uh, oscillates back and forth between which party he's voting for each and, and he's it, a mythical independent voter he, he is he is the one who like actually has split ballots like during the course of, like like the the people that like people that are spending millions of dollars trying to get to and he's he is actually out there and they would never vote for Nate McMurray so that's like 
I don't think Nate has a very good chance in the primary against somebody like Poland Cars, who, while, yes, I have, you know, some criticisms of, of the county executive, generally has done a pretty good job. Uh, my criticisms are actually that he's maybe not left enough. And, and what the, the, what's going to, this is going to help out the county executive in the general election because Nate McMurray is going to be further left than him in the primary, which centers him for the general election. And Mike Crocker and the Republicans are already out there trying to call the county executive this far left, like socialist candidate. And then Chairman Mark and <laughs> Chairman Mark, uh, he's got a little red book that he hands out to all the county <laughs> employees. And, and, but like, by the way, we do it better here than any of those schmuck, any of those conservative shitheads. <sighs> Chairman Mark is much better than Mark Hitler, although mm-hmm. Mark Hitler is very funny. Right. Moving on. Sorry, I didn't but mean to Chairman, Chairman Mark is way better. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they're going to try to like paint him as being this leftist. And now that he's got somebody who actually is further left than him in the Democratic primary, it's just going to recenter him. And it's, it's going to end up working like it did three years ago in the presidential election where the Republicans are trying to say that Joe Biden is this far leftist who's out of control and leftists are like, he is not what we wanted. He is too far right for us. Although notably in the case of the presidential election, you know, Joe Biden has, while there are a lot of criticisms, he has mostly placated that wing of his party. And I think there's something to be said too about on this local level. Obviously we're not talking the same as you know, democratic politics nationally. But on this local level, look, I think Mark Polenkar's, by and large, uh, hasn't really pissed off too much the left wing of the party here in Western New York. Like, look, Polenkar's, it's amazing that Nate McMurray, so a couple things here. One, Nate McMurray choosing to run, I think we all knew it was a when, not if, that Nate McMurray would run for something. Uh, This office, however, choosing this one seemed way more like Leroy Jenkins than any other office. Even Wait, running for Congress again might have made more sense. Well, uh, running me. for this office right now, running a primary for Poland Cars. Like, if Poland Cars had chosen to not run and it was open, okay, fine. Or if he waited four more years. Because I think I think this probably is Poland Cars' last term as county executive if he wins again. Because um, you, you do kind of have a shelf life for these positions. I mean, although the mayor is going to be mayor forever, so who knows? But, you know, I think that had McMurray chosen this this office, as he set his targets on, but waited until it was an open seat, that's different. But running against, you know, Chairman Mark now, I mean, it, it, does, I mean, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, I don't see he's I don't see a path to victory for him. And he is going to alienate a bunch of people. And you're right, like, you know, Poland cars. He's done some stuff like he's a, he's a he, he does constantly want to make sure he's cutting property taxes every year, which alienates the left a little bit. Um, I don't I think my problem is, is that I don't think it's a great political strategy. I think like had he kept property taxes the same for three years, he'd have a little bit more of a surplus. And then when he cut it, he could cut to where he is now. Instead of those small cuts each year, he'd have a larger cut and people would notice it more. And I think that would be more politically uh, efficient than doing these small cuts that people don't really notice that much each year. Um, and then, you know, he's also been a little bit harder of a negotiator with the public employee unions than people might like. But that's a, those are pretty nitpicky criticisms of the county executive. And Nate is showing up saying like, oh, yeah, like this guy's terrible. You, you remember, Poland Cars also pretty famously and like was the first to do it run as a Democrat and say, I don't want the conservative endorsement. I won't take it if you even offer it to me last time he ran, which is a big deal in Erie County. Conservative Party gets a lot of votes. And he was like, no, no, I, with with the D and the working families, I can win. And he did. And he won pretty handily. Um, and so, like, you know, that that's not like, that's not necessarily the same thing as coming out for, like, Medicare for all. But it is a pretty strong statement to like the left flank of the party that you're taking them seriously. Like you're not going to give them just lip service. You're like you're going to say, you know, eat shit conservatives. Eat L- Ralph Larigo. I don't want you. Right. Right. No. And point well taken on all that, Jim. I just want to add that McMurray's tack, his his basically like his uh, you know opening salvo on Mark Poland cars is to attack him for his handling 
of the blizzard of 22, the, uh, you know, the county executive's response and it, sort of in a weird backdoor way, aligning himself with Byron Brown, or at least taking some of the responsibility of the, you know, the snow removal and everything that we saw in the wake of the blizzard, taking that off of Byron Brown and placing it squarely on Poland cars and on the county executive's office. And so that has been the crux of his criticism as of late of county services that Mark Polencar didn't do enough in the wake of it, that the county had uh, the capability to do that, that Nate was reportedly, you know, after Polencar's had the press conference where he uh, pretty much bitched out Byron Brown, um, which he then would later go on to apologize for. But, you know, when he expressed his frustration, Polencar's did with Byron Brown, that seemed to be the tipping point for Nate McMurray, which is fascinating because, look, the constituency, the quote-unquote left uh, that he might be appealing to. Uh, I got news for you about how they feel about Byron Brown. Right. Yeah, it's it's amazing that like he's it, and like the county, like by their according to the the county, by the night of Christmas Day, the end of the blizzard, all the county roads were curb to curb cleared by the plows. The city took another week. And you know, Poland or uh, McMurray seems to think that like Poland cars can just like declare martial law in the city and take over the city's responsibilities. That's not how separation of governments work. The city has its own authority. Uh, the county can't just you know, like come in and say, like, all right, we're taking this over. It's not the FBI and law, law enforcement jurisdiction type of things. It's a totally different thing when you're talking about, you know, DPWs and, and DOTs. Well, and, and Jim, you know, you wouldn't have a, a true huckster around here, all right? So Nate McMurray, I would say pretty deeply unserious candidate, you know, pretty... Uh, Pretty big folly, I think, for him to run in this race. Really, probably dooms his chances for any real traction in the Democratic Party. Right well, especially because like, he's out here attacking the Democratic Party, like, oh, well, I I'm an outsider. You mean the guy who's been endorsed by the party, like, what, four times? Yes, yes, it would. But we wouldn't have a true huckster, Jim, if if there wasn't uh, a monorail involved. <laughs> yes. Well, maybe not a monorail, but definitely rail. Uh, the other. The other side of the McMurray campaign, the other, you know, while he's attacking um, Chairman Mark, God, that's so good. Not to pat my own back, but I love it so much. Um, the other side of pulling cars that he's attacking is that he's saying that the county executive's office has been lacking in political imagination or that our, you know, industry and our region has been suffering from, um, you know, backwards thinking or just lack of foresight, which some of that is true. You know, I'll give Nate some of that, but his biggest thing is that the county executive somehow, some way should have brought more rail to, to Buffalo, Western New York and Erie County. Just bring more rail. Again, ignoring the fact that there's different levels of government and that you'd have to get buy-in from all these different participating governments. Monorail. Right. I mean, that the county Monorail. executive can just be like, I'm the county executive. Like, like, he's actually saying he thinks the county executive has the power that the people on the right were criticizing the county executive for saying that he had, that they thought he had the power to do with like mask mandates and that. And they're like, oh, well, he doesn't, he, he doesn't have the power to do that. Uh, and, you know, mask mandate, Department of Health, that does fall under the county. Uh, but he, he doesn't have the, the authority to say, like, all right, Chictawaga. No matter what you think, I'm putting rail in your cheek to walk and we're connecting it to the east side. I mean, it's just, it's the most like, I will promise you anything you want to hear to elect me kind of thing that I've ever heard. It is, except like, I don't know. like, But who, I think he believes it. Who is clamoring for, like, 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 look, yes, we need better rail service and public transportation in this country and in this in this community in particular. I agree with that. I think there are a lot of people who do agree with that. I don't know that that's the majority opinion, though. You know, I, I mean, well, certainly, like, look, in Erie County, no less. For for take it whatever way you want, but I mean, Western New York, we fucking love to drive around here. Like, drive. We drive. We don't. People don't take public transportation to begin with around here, and you, there's a plethora of reasons. I'm not. We're not going into that side of the debate. I'm simply stating how it is right now, so that to even state that we need, you know, more rail while admirable. And I, and I agree. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the thing that moves the political needle for Nate McMurray. I applaud, I suppose, his 
political imagination or trying to, you know, push that to the forefront around here. Maybe it is something we should be talking about more, but in terms of being practical and being something that you can run feasibly against Mark Polonkar's against uh, with, I should say, I don't see it. I, I, I mean, if he's talking about like intercity rail, I mean, the county executive doesn't have supreme executive authority over Amtrak. So I don't know what's going on there. If he's talking about like intra-county or inter-county rail and expanding like the metro rail, um, again, like the county executive doesn't have supreme executive authority to just dictate to the suburbs and to the city, we're going to expand the rail like this. I mean, it's, it's going to take a lot of palm greasing and a lot of financial incentives to get things done. I like I think that like if you're like hey we want to connect Niagara Falls to downtown Buffalo via rail I think Niagara Falls and the city of Buffalo say yes that sounds like a great idea however they don't border each other there's a bunch of municipalities in between and you have to get Kenmore town of Tonawanda city of Tonawanda city of North Tonawanda town of North Tonawanda all on board with letting this rail go through those, those towns. And I don't know that and towns and cities, and I don't know that necessarily you're going to get the buy-in that you think you're going to get right away. You know, Jim, as uh, as our buddy Buffalo Troll, I mean, we're we're talking as as Buffalo Troll uh, pointed out. You know, the the man, and and we pointed out earlier in the show, but I, I have to highlight this particular post that just shows Nate's posting excellence. All right, so this was three days ago. We're recording on Sunday. I think this was Thursday. Uh, Jim, did you know as of today? Buffalo doesn't have a Costco. Buffalo doesn't have an Ikea. Buffalo doesn't even have a real Nike store, let alone more than one large grocery store on the east side. I'm sick of pretending this is normal. It's, it's so crazy to me because, like, first of all... And that's Mark Polonkars' fault. Right, right. Well, I mean, I guess, like, we could have taken that money that we didn't give to Bass Pro, and instead we invested it and made the canal side an area that people actually use. We could have used that to entice a Costco to come here. Um, I don't think that, like, even no matter how much money we threw at them, Ikea is going to build an Ikea in, in Buffalo. We just got a pickup station. <laughs> but I don't, I, it doesn't, like, right? Uh, the Nike store thing, who gives a shit? That might be, like, the least fucking, in, like, like yeah, our, we also don't have an In-N-Out burger, Nate. Like, we're... Oh, man. I, I just love the fact that he conflates, like, Ikea and a large grocery store on the east side. Like, that... The way this man's mind works. Right. Right. We we don't have cheap preppy furniture. Also, we are barely addressing a food desert. <laughs> you know, let's just make him you know what? Let's make him county executive for a day, just see what happens. Yeah, we we do one of those things where like they let like a, a sixth grader be county executive for a day. Yeah. And and since Nate's ideas are about equivalent to a sixth grader's holy shit well folks we will obviously stay on top of this situation I, I i wish he was like he he was on the you know the stadium should be built downtown oh yeah train for a while like he should be bringing that up that's a more realistic like thing to bring about and like talk about although as we talked about last week could you imagine like the the drunk driving that would happen if the stadium was downtown oh lord uh but that's like at least like an actual topic that you could talk about and that the county executive has some input into as opposed to we don't have a nike store holy shit i'm sick of pretending this is normal yeah i'm i'm, I'm sick of pretending that we don't, we don't have a real nike store we also <laughs> don't have one of those espn bars that they used to have in the early 2000s Ooh, ooh. The, the espn zone oh those were good we don't have a hard rock cafe mm -mm. we don't have a house of blues we don't have a house of blues no we don't have that uh, we we famously don't have a Quaker stick and lube because that guy from Fort Erie has to drive all the way to Erie for it. That's true. Although we do have we do have a Sonic now. So if you know Mark Polonkars, if you're listening to this, you can come back and you can say we have Sonic here. It sucks. Mm -hmm. You only liked it because you saw the commercials and you thought it'd be cool, and now nobody goes to it. But we have it. Right. You can get your chili cheese fries as, as wherever you want. We have a Checkers too. We have a Checkers. We've got multiple Checkers. Yeah, we got a lot of Checkers. They kind of sucks too. They kind of. It's very much sucks. I'd, I'd rather get, eat food at the Nike store. <laughs> I'd rather eat the leather shoes. <laughs> All right. Well, like I said, we will follow the Nate McMurray uh, story because this primary is bound to be entertaining. But I, like I've said in the Discord, I'll say it here. I prayed for days like this, Jim. You know, just thank, thank you, Nate. Thank you, Nate. 
This is a boon and a blessing to the Square Podcast. Yeah, that's. Um, I feel like we willed this into existence. Oh, absolutely. That's you know, it's, it was kind of like like the, the Nate McMurray running for county executive happened like the end of Ghostbusters, where like they're like, don't think of anything because they're going to make it real. And like, and she goes, your wish is granted. Like, who thought of something? And but instead of thinking of like a giant Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, we thought of Nate McMurray running for county executive. Yes. Yes, indeed. Moving on to, we're still in politics, folks, but we are going from the county to the city. And we're talking now. We last week on our show, a friend of the pod, Matt Deering, announced that he would be running to replace Darius Pridgen. And now we have uh, some moving, some more moving and shaking as we have another member of the city of Buffalo Common Council, Jim, who said, uh, I'm pulling out. Yeah. Uh, Ulysses Wingo Sr. announced that he is not running for re-election in the uh, Maston District. Now, I I wonder, my first thing that makes me think of is, like, that was where he was trying to bring in ShotSpotter as a, like, a trial location for the the city. I wonder if this means that that's dead in the water. I bet you that's very frustrating to ShotSpotter if that's the case because they spent thousands of dollars, if not tens of thousands of dollars, uh, working with him and, and trying to get it in, and he seemed receptive to bringing it in, and, and now if this is dead in the water or not, that'd be interesting. But um, there are some candidates for this district already. Well, b- before that, though, I, I want to just kind of you know pause on on Wingo himself. We'll we'll talk about the candidates coming up, but it, it seemed really interesting that you know even up until a couple months ago, it did seem like Wingo was interested in running. Up until I mean, as far as I knew, like yesterday. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like the most recent communication from him um, seemed to be that, you know, he was going to be running. Let me ask you this. Do you think somebody did the the godfather, the tap on the shoulder and said, Ulysses, I don't think this is your time anymore? It's probably a combination of like somebody saying like, look, you know, we've done we've run the numbers. You, you're going to lose or, or it's going to be very difficult for you. Um, and also, like, I I fully expect that, you know, they're going to just offer him a position and get, get him out of there um, probably before the election so that they can appoint somebody. So that person can be running to retain their position as opposed to be elected and run as the incumbent. Uh, I think that that is likely. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if then that we just talked about how in response to uh, the city's blizzard re- uh, response and how they handled it in 2022, that they created two new positions, like a disaster preparedness position and a fleet manager position. Uh, I, I think it would be funny if they gave it to Wingo, the disaster <laughs> preparedness position. But I, w- I, I would be surprised if they gave him, like, fleet manager, which it you know is going to be a six-figure job, which is right. so it's quite the raise from what he was making at Common Council. Right. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a position out of this and he gets out of the way so that they can appoint somebody that they think has a better shot against India Walton. And India Walton did officially announce uh, this week. She kind of has been teasing it for a while, but now it is official. She is running uh, in that district in Maston. Um, However, there is with the announcement that uh, Ulysses Wingo would be, you know, not running for reelection. There's been announcement that Zanetta Everhart, uh, I I believe her capacity is special uh, counsel to Tim Kennedy. Yeah. Um, I don't know her specific role. I do know she works in Tim Kennedy's office. Zanetta Everhart famously, at least on a national level was on CNN. Her son was a victim in the top shooting in 2022 in May. Um, You know, she spoke before Congress. She's a community activist here in Buffalo. And for my money, the favorite, if the Tim, if Tim Kennedy throws his full weight behind her, then yes, she's the favorite. He hasn't always done that for former staff members who have decided to run for things. He's helped them get into the position so that they can get the, they can run. And then, you know, he doesn't, it mean, the guy's got over $5 million in his campaign account. If he throws his full weight behind them, yes, then, then, they're fav- then they are the favorite. Uh, if he doesn't, if he just says, all right, I'll set you up and then you have to do the work. Everhart doesn't have the name recognition that Walton has. That's true. But, and Walton did win Mastin. That's true, but I think my, my gut, I don't know, I don't have any inside information, but my gut tells me that it might be more the former situation than the latter. The reason being is, one, um, 
Everhart, you know, has a has a profile. While she's not uh, India Walton in Buffalo, she does have a, a broader profile, and I think one that you could sell. I mean, look, we're we're talking frankly here. We're talking. We're putting on our political brains. We're not talking about the touchy-feely stuff. You can sell Zanetta Everhart as a community activist, as somebody who's been a victim, um, and her family's been a victim of a lot of the problems that uh, you know a, a political figure would say is plaguing the Mastin district that she would look to help address. Um, she is part of the Kennedy organization, and this could very well be a power play by Tim Kennedy, his first real power play openly into the city of Buffalo politics. We know he's been flirting with mayoral campaigns for a long time. Um, that has not come to fruition yet. He stayed out of the fray. Could this also be a sign that Kennedy might be looking at the city of Buffalo mayor spot when it's next up? I mean, maybe, I, I you know, as we talked about with Jeff Kelly on the show, Like, I, I tend to think that like Tim's kind of passed the mayor's office by. Being one of the most powerful state senators in the state, which he is now, is probably more power than being mayor doesn't have as many patron positions as being mayor does but if you're a mainstream ecdc dem in the area and especially if you overlap with the city you probably don't do anything without checking tim kennedy's office first because he just has that much power now i mean and, and he's got that power not because anybody likes him because you know from most reports he's not the most popular member of the local leadership uh, but because he's got millions of dollars he's got more money than god you know i mean he's is uh, as far as like at the state senate i think he's in the top five maybe or top 10 at least uh state senators for like campaign accounts and so you know he just he just has tons and tons of money and he can throw that around i would not be surprised if like i said like wingo gets appointed to a position that creates a vacancy um as we talked about last year there was no push to primary the committee seats from the left, and so India will be out, it'll be uh, hung out to dry there. She won't get any of the endorsement votes. They may not even have anybody who would be willing to uh, nominate her or second her nomination on the committee. Right. Uh, and so Everhart would probably get appointed to that position and then be able to run as the incumbent. Right. And I, and I just want to clarify, by the way, when I said Everhart and her family were victims of the problems playing the district, uh, <laughs> uh, what I meant was like the overall impact of white supremacy that. I mean, it ended up a direct terrorist attack, but indirect, there's a lot of, you know, things like food deserts that that tops ended up being the one fucking supermarket um, in that area that serviced them, uh, the community there, I should say. So again, like Everhart is somebody who also on her own merits, like very well-spoken, very uh, clear, concise. Um, I watched her testimony or some of her testimony before Congress um, about assault weapons and, and pushing for an assault weapons ban. Also, her appearance on CNN. Um, she's good in front of the cameras. She's going to be good, I would assume, um, you know, on a, on a debate stage if it comes to her it, or at least any kind of, like, public communications. She's not, she doesn't seem like she would shy from that. Right. It, it's, it's going to come down to, you know, in that district, India has more name recognition, so can, can they spend the money to raise the name recognition for Everhart to a high enough level uh, and also then like just actually boots on the ground work. And that's where Kennedy's money might come into play because he might not, even though he, if he's spending money on like that campaign, he's supposed to give that money to the campaign, but he could out of his own campaign account pay 15, $20 an hour to canvassers. Right. And, um, and spend several thousand dollars that way, which is, you know, to him, not a big deal. If he spends $20,000 canvassing that district, so 10,000 hours at 20 bucks an hour, doesn't matter to him. It's at, at that, that he'll, he'll make that back up. No problem. Well, and the other thing too, for India is, you know, she was probably gearing up to go after a candidate where she was like, Hey, you know, politics as usual. Here's somebody that has been in city hall for a long time. Who's supporting things like the shot spotter, a, a, a kind of, primary that i think she was ready to fight you know mm -hmm. the, the, it was it was the kind of it was the kind of thing where she was ready to throw the punches and and really go all out i'm curious to see how she does it against everhart who while yes she does work in tim kennedy's office 
She's not a longtime political figure. She's also a community activist. Like this is somebody who, you know, we're not talking like, oh, the old boys network is just boxing me out. No, I mean, well, I, I, I think, I think the strategy probably has to be is that you never mention her name. You never mention Everhart's name. You just you you you'd run like an Elliot Spitzer type of campaign where, you know, I'm the person who's best known in the district. You know all about me. This is who I am. This is what I want to do. And you never mention a name because you don't want to give them any more additional name ID. You you have to, you're right. You have to run a different uh, campaign than you ran against Wingo. But I don't know that you can run in a camp if if you run a, if you're running pieces or, or any ads or you're doing anything where you're attacking Everhart by name. All you're doing is increasing the name ID of somebody who you already have a better name ID, name recognition than. Um, I mean, to be fair, Wingo has better name recognition than Everhart, but Walton probably has better name recognition than Wingo. Yes. So, you know, I, I, I think you, you would be doing something similar with Wingo other than, like, you're just highlighting the differences between the two of you. Uh, now I think you're just running, like, here's who I am. You know who I am. This is why I'm a good person. This is why I should be, be there. And you just ignore the Everhart that even exists. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I'm I'm gonna keep. I mean, we're gonna keep a very close eye on this, obviously, just because you know it was a race. India Walton is very high profile, uh, friend of the pod, obviously, and you know we're just gonna pay attention to it because it's a big story. But it it'll be interesting to see the race that each of them run because I you know Everhart is a new face. We mm-hmm. we don't know um, what she's inclined to do. We don't know attack Walton. I mean, but attack Walton how? You know, Probably like, the same attacks that we saw against Walton for the mayor's race. Yes, we're going to see the same attacks against Walton that we saw from the mayor, uh, the mayor's race. But I also feel like there's more room for Zanetta Everhart to, as a political newcomer, and as somebody who is, you know, has a background in being involved in the community as a community organizer. Um, I think she can also do the dance of, hey, you know, here's the positive stuff, and then here's the attack on Well, I don't think it's going to be, like, if it was just Wingo, I think it would be attack, 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 attack Walton. Whereas I think that um, Everhart really has a chance to, like, maybe sell herself a little bit more than just being the anti-Walton. I, well, I, I think what we'll see is, if, if, if Kennedy is really heavily involved in this race, I think what we'll see is that anything that officially comes out from the Everhart campaign is pro-Everhart, I'm a great person, here's why you should vote for me. And then there'll be stuff that comes out from, you know, uh, a pack or you know undisclosed PO boxes and stuff like that. That is just attack Walton all over, over and over again, right? And that won't be officially tied to the Everhart campaign, right? I think that's what happens. Ready to move on to the next topic? Because I because I, I have a topic that's not on the board that we got, we have to talk about real quick. Let's talk about it. All right. Did you feel it, Re? <sighs> Starting to. Did you, Did you feel the earthquake? I'm still feeling it. I'm still feeling it. <laughs> I, I, did, I did hear it and feel, feel it. Not everybody did, but I did hear and feel the, the, the world-famous 2023 West Seneca earthquake. We've already memory-holed the earthquake. I had forgotten about it until you just said it. Holy shit. Yeah, woke up at 5.30 in the morning. Uh, Adrian screamed in my ear. I felt the fucking earthquake, and then Adrian screamed, and I'm like, oh, shit, everybody, we're dying. That's it. It's the end of the world. It's, it's funny because, like, you know, it's only the second earthquake I've ever experienced. But I woke up. Ernest didn't respond whatsoever. He, my dog, the Pomeranian, just just slept. And I was like, oh, did a car hit? Oh, it was an earthquake. And I just rolled back over and went back to sleep. Well, nothing came of it here, although I know, obviously, Turkey. And I listen, I'm not going to. I don't know. I, I kind of fell asleep through Earth science. So I don't really know if this is connected to what happened in Turkey. But I have a feeling it might be or the fault lines do a thing. I don't know. But I know that there was an insane earthquake in Turkey that took the lives of countless numbers of people and numbers, countless number of people. And uh, we got a little shake in West Seneca. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think they're connected. I think fault lines run independent, but (laughs) Hey, it might just be, you know, the, uh, the ancient gods trying to devour West Seneca, to which I say, go for it. Well, uh, my sister called me and she goes like, like you guys, you guys had like a seven foot snowstorm and then you had a blizzard and now you're having earthquakes. And I was like, yeah, it's, uh, if, if I'm walking around downtown and I hear somebody going like, are you the key master? I am the gatekeeper. I'm out of here. I was like, I'm done. I'm out, I'm out of this town. This only bolsters my theory that this is the hell mouth, Jim. Yeah. Like we are the, the gateway to hell here. And, and frankly, I mean, the demons are all here and now we're just. Because even in between the, the blizzard and the earthquake, we had a little bit of snow and it was like thunder and lightning during the snow, which, you know, 
happens here all the time, but happens everywhere else pretty much never. <laughs> yes. Well, we, we all survived the great quake of 23. So, Phew. Yep. you know, Jim, um, we had a, we had a topic come up recently and kind of died down as fast as it, as it popped up, but it is of interest and it's, it's worth talking about. And we, we, at different points had different opinions. Yeah. You know, on this podcast, we're usually uh, of, of the same mind, but sometimes believe it or not, we, we see things different ways. Remedy House, everybody's favorite uh, coffee shop on the west side, uh, down by the uh, Five Points, Rhode Island. Beloved place to get your, you know, you get the the breakfast sandwich with the aioli. I, I fucking love that. Although the the garlic aioli gives me a little bit of heartburn, unfortunately. So I have to do the regular aioli. But Remedy House, everybody loves it. It's uh, primarily the haven. I'm told of a lot of former spot coffee employees, kind of like the uh, the co- the barista retirement plan, where they leave spot coffee, they get out of the trenches, and they go to the the, the promised land of Remedy House. Remedy House also owned by uh, co-owned by a friend of mine, Justin Smith. Um, I've known Justin for a very long time, a uh, good friend of mine. So when I tell you that one, I like Remedy House, and two, I'm friends with the owner, you can see why I very well was uh, was biased when this story came to light that on um uh it was it was this past friday yeah jesus everything moves moves so fast this past friday which will be last week friday for you listening there was announced a couple things one that there were uh five workers i believe whose positions were eliminated at remedy house and that those workers had formed a union that they had announced to the owners that they would be forming a union and this was presented as such that it, it was the firing essentially was a union busting effort um we're not sure on the timeline um it's funny you talk about how great remedy house is and it's not even my favorite place to get pastries or breakfast sandwiches or coffee and five points <laughs> that is five points bakery is actually i prefer over at remedy house but yeah i mean remedy house is fine um uh it it, it always seemed like they had too few staff on uh, for the amount of people that were there. That's one of the reasons why I like Five Points better is that the service time was quicker, not through any fault of the workers, um, but because staffing was more appropriate. And also, I you know, I just, that, you know, the, the, the homemade breads that they have at Five Points are very, very good. Uh, but, you know, not quite sure on the timeline. I still think it was, um, if it wasn't union busting, then it was a lot of incompetency from the management. Uh, I, I have a feeling like if you have to lay off five of your workers who are all doing similar positions, but you don't, it, you don't think that there's a problem with the management. Um, guess what? There's a problem with the management is, is almost 100, like 99.9% of the time. If five of your entry level or your, your frontline staff are, you're going to let go and you don't go, maybe there's a management problem here, then you're probably incompetent for sure. And I mean, not taking away anything that um, uh, I only know her Twitter handle. I think Meg Meg Sullivan. I don't want to put anybody's name out there, but she put herself out there. Um, I, I read, you know, the the letter, and I, I saw some of the the conditions that you know she tweeted about that there were you know there was vermin problem at times. Um, that there was obviously problems with some of the management. I've heard that there was a. I'm not going to drop this guy's name, but I heard there's like a you know manager or general manager of the the location there um, who a lot of people had problems with um, going back to prior employment, going back to prior employment. Yes. This individual has a reputation throughout the community for a long time um, for a lot of different issues. So I'm with you, even though, again, I I'm a little partial here, but I'm with you in the sense that like there had to be some kind of incompetence, I think is a good word. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not looking at their books or anything, but I do think that, uh, there probably was some issue with the management, whatever, um, going on there. But what, what really struck me, Jim, is that this story, it it fucking like, was like wildfire Mm -hmm. about one that, you know, the, the union was out there. Um, and that's a story that needs to get out there, right? Like there was a union forming at this coffee shop, um, you know, in Buffalo at a time where we saw spot coffee, and we saw, you know, Starbucks. I mean, that was going to get out there. But two, that somehow the owners were, um, one, union busting. Two, you know, that they were 
like like it was just a ton of negativity there was like a ton of negativity real fast it seemed like the crowd almost like i hate to be like here comes the woke mob but really it did feel like a mobbish like a huge turn on what seemingly was a a well-liked business in the area and so obviously i i I took some umbrage with that because i'm like well hey wait a minute you know this happened on a friday afternoon ownership has not said anything about it yet they haven't said they're they haven't said they're against the union they haven't said we're opposed to this like even fucking the lexington co-op like yeah people got uh, they groused about the lexington co-op not necessarily voluntarily uh, voluntarily uh recognizing the union but there was at least like a few days time frame for that this was well, like instantaneous it, it was instantaneous because they fired five fucking people re I understand. I mean, and, 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 and like that also leans to the incompetence. If they didn't realize that there was a union forming in their shop and, and that firing five people all at the same time who probably were forming a union, then the owners are so fucking out of touch they shouldn't be in business. So what happened the next day? The what, union what, was voluntary the union the union was voluntarily recognized by the ownership. Which we had none of the people who organized the union the next day but my point is and again i i'm with you in the sense that like like point well taken that there's probably like a lot of things could have been handled better if you weren't aware that there was a union forming notably notably and again you can take this whatever way you will but notably uh the folks who were fired did not submit for the union uh, or let the the owners know that they were forming a union until after they were fired well, that's, that depends on who you ask. That That is a point of contention between the two sides. Depends on who you ask. Yeah. I mean, it depends. It, it's, it's, so it, so it, 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 that, that is something that is, that it's, you, you, you present it as though it's cut and dry, and it's not cut and dry. I, all, all the source on this that I, that I trust, and again, take of that what you will, because I've already laid out to you what my biases are. All the source on this, whether it's ownership or otherwise, have, have told me that they, were, they presented this demand after the firings happened but regardless the next day they voluntarily recognize union um frankly to me it would be extremely foolish to in this environment no less i mean just in a vacuum but in this environment no less to just outright fire five people right away for union busting um but especially in the city of buffalo especially post starbucks especially post spot coffee uh, that there would be a massive backlash if this was just good old fashioned union busting. I, yeah, I, I I agree with you that there would be, and I, and that it would be stupid. I don't know them, um, but it looks pretty stupid for my if it, as an independent person who doesn't know anybody who's involved here. My takeaway as somebody is like is that it looks like union busting, it smells like union busting, and it looks like they're idiots. Okay, it, I mean that's that is just my my independent take from somebody who's just following from the sidelines. Is that it? it like, I'll tell you right now. I know that you're a friend. I am never going to Remedy House ever again. Okay, I, I will never ever go to that place ever again unless I find out that they, the ownership has changed. Okay, I mean you did. It sounds like you didn't like him too much to begin with. Five points is more your speed. Five. I, I did appreciate. I was at Remedy House last week, uh, so it's not like I never went there. I I would go there fairly frequently. Uh, five. I preferred five points, but I would go to Remedy House. I, it's not that I, I disliked Remedy House. I, I guess to me, Jim, it's like there there was just this firestorm, and it happened so fast, and it ended up being like okay. So to me, even if you're just looking at it objectively, like all right, you had five people that were released. We have a union push. The next day, the business voluntarily recognized the yeah, union. But the, the, but here's the thing. Oh, you can say. It. It's very easy to recognize the union when you fired all the union members. And that's what they did. Everybody who was going to join the union, they fired. So, oh, yeah, we voluntarily recognize the union who will be all new people because all these people we fired. That's union busting. So that is, if, if, if Starbucks said, all right, we voluntarily recognize the union, but before that, we're firing everybody who organized the union. Would you not say that's union busting? So again, we don't know the t- again we don't know the timeline of when the union formed. We don't know. Again, we're taking them on their merits here, but we don't know if this was a retaliatory effort as well. That there could have been post. Uh, we know we're getting fired, and we are deciding that we're going to do this a retaliatory thing. What well, again? It, we don't know. But then that gets back to my other point of incompetence: is if you have to fire all your frontline staff, then your management is fucked up, and there's something wrong there. 
And that's mm-hmm. that's actually the more reason why I will never go back to Remedy House as opposed to like whether they were union busting or not is because like they they it sounds like they took like one manager's word over the the voices of five people. If that's how you handle your things, if that's how little you value your employees, why would I support you? Why would I ever support somebody who says, yeah, okay, yeah, there's five people saying the exact same thing, but there's one person who's saying the thing we want to hear. So I better listen to the person. That is Donald J. Trump's type of bullshit. I mean, okay, that that's a that's quite the, that's quite the bridge it to, knows, uh, to Donald not, J. Trump bullshit. It, it, well, as far as like, I like mean, what you're taking is a small bit. What what really happened here is you have a small business. Again, I know I'm put out a my, small business who didn't want to hear criticisms of their business, uh, so they fired everybody who was criticizing you, them. You had a small business that all of a sudden everybody on the fucking internet torched, and then the next day they volunteer. I, I heard your point, but. A union was formed. The next day, they voluntarily recognized it. What the fuck are we doing? This is, I'm sorry, like a lot of times the internet and the the hive mind, it does get toxic around here. And maybe we're contributing to it at times. I'm fully willing to take blame for that. But to me, it was just like, whoa. This blew up so fast. Only for I think you're. I think you're too close to this. Uh, maybe I'm too close. You, to it, I, but think, I think you're too close. To this I think. I think no. But I think people outside of this circle probably saw like, hey, we had a business. There was a, a union, and the next day they voluntarily recognized it. No, no. What they see is that they voluntarily recognize a union that doesn't exist anymore because they fired all the union members. So you're saying that the union that they formed does not exist anymore. The one that they voluntarily recognize because there is a union there, right? There with, is a union there with no union members. There, there is a union that they recognize that they said they'd work with for demands with no union members because they fired all the union members. We'll follow the story. Obviously, we we are of different minds. To me, I again, I did not. I'll, I'll put a pin in that one because okay. again, we'll we'll see we'll see how it we'll we'll see how it develops. We'll see how it unfolds. It's a new story. Yeah. Again, uh, admit I'm close to it, but moving on, moving on. Jim, our last story for the week. You know, we were just wrestling here a little bit. We, yeah, we, were, we were having a wrestle off. We were having a wrestle off. Right. Uh, Starpoint Wrestling. They're uh, not. They're they not are, wrestling. They are not wrestling. Um, Starpoint Wrestling, high school wrestling. Now, Starpoint, if you are clued in to the local high school wrestling scene, which if, if you are, shame on you, you pervert. Um, but if you are <laughs> clued into the local wrestling scene, um, you know, I. I was a high school wrestler. Starpoint has been a long time power in local wrestling. Um, they were supposed to host the Section Six Championships. They had a couple of wrestlers who were probably favored to win the Section Six title and maybe even be uh, high level competitors for state titles. But um, while all the details aren't out there, um, it, it sounds like there was some hazing that went on. And the school administrator canceled the rest of the wrestling season, which means that Section 6 championships have been moved to Niagara Wheatfield. Starpoint is not participating. Um, there was a lawsuit um, from families of the wrestlers trying to say this was not fair. Um, and my understanding from the lawsuit was that, that the judge said, no, nope, the administrators were totally like fair to cancel the entire rest of the wrestling season. One of the people who, if there was hazing, I saw a report that one person required like hospitalization or stitches uh, as a result of hazing. Uh, I mean, not just a uh, you know, a boys will be boys situation here. Hazing stuff was always like so scary to me because on you know on the one hand, obviously you want to build up morale and you know teamwork and yada mm-hmm. yada, but it's just that shit gets real weird real fast, right? And you know. It's, Fuck, we're talking about high school kids. I was I was only hazed once, uh, and that was when I played club lacrosse at Bonaventure, and that was just actually just drinking. But they, uh, even then, like Bonaventure, which is you know a school full of shitheads, uh, they were like, uh, they would watch this. Be like, all right, you've had too much to drink during this hazing. Like, you need to go home and go sleep this off. Um, like they they didn't want anybody dying from alcohol poisoning during their hazing event. I mean, to be fair, um, you know, the lacrosse team had gotten in trouble for hazing in the past, so like they were a little bit more uh, keen on following rules. As uh, not, not that many, I mean, I, I was drunk by like two o'clock in the afternoon, like I couldn't stand up. <laughs> Jesus. Um. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's weird. Ugh. I mean, Thanks. I I remember. I distinctly remember. Like I don't remember the result of the answers, but I remember 
um, the hazing. Like it started off with like, you know, pitcher races and like dizzy bat stuff. Sure. But, but then, it, then it moved into, um, they had us all in like the uh, mud room of the house, like the lacrosse house off campus. Okay. And you, you went into the room one at a time and there was like 20 upperclassmen, including like girlfriends and like friends and stuff like that. Yeah. And you didn't know any, basically any of them. And they would all say their name, and you had to get all the names correct in order. If you got a name wrong, you had to stop and drink and then start again. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, and I don't know that anybody actually got all the names correct. That's uh... because, like, you know, if they had done this first, somebody might have gotten an okay. But after already spent like two hours of drinking, uh, it was pretty much impossible. Wow. That's. That's something. That's a lot. That's a lot of drinking. Yeah, that's too much drinking. So, all right. And uh, coming up next, we will be joined by, uh, by the fine folks of the Queen City Roller Derby. So stay tuned. All right. With Let's Go Pills, I wanted to make a beer that was similar to the beers I grew up drinking in, in the tailgate, and I wanted a clear American lager that was crisp and, and just really sharp. It, it takes the classic American lager, and, and we we showcase craft ingredients made by locals, made by fans, uh, to be shared by fans. Bring community to all that you do, and good things happen. And welcome back. We are joined today, very, very lucky for us, uh, by our friends from Queen City Roller Derby. We have with us on the show today, Malice. Hey. We have Hannah Brawl. Hi. And we have Gulia. Hi. Welcome to the square, guys. So our listeners, we're all, and, and us, the hosts of the square, we are big time roller derby fans. Not only that, we are big QCRD fans. Mm-hmm. All right. We love it. We can't get enough of it. This is the third time we've had uh, some folks from Queen City Roller Derby on the show. We've already explained to the listeners, they all know Roller derby, they all know, you know, they know the ins and the outs. They're experts. Right. They're, they're passing the star. They know what's, what's going on. <laughs> they know what's up. So now this is more like promo. This is like, hey, dummy, there's a bout going on. There's a season happening. Wake up. Get out of your little cubby hole. You survived the earthquake, Jim. <laughs> barely. <laughs> barely survived the earthquake. And now it's like <laughs> I have a new lease on life and I need to get out there and keep watching the derby and the bouts. Yep. Talk to us, guys. The big game. Forget, uh, you know, the superb owl. We got we got a big bout coming up. So talk to us here. What's next? Uh, what's next on the docket? <laughs> uh, just practicing and hoping for the best, I guess. Right. That's all I do anyway. Well, you, but you guys, uh, you you had your uh, your like mashup, your, your mashup with mm-hmm. your freshy bout type thing, and but now you have your first home bout coming up. So Friday, um, the seventeenth at seven p.m. It is the Alley Cats versus the Devil Dollies. Um, so it's our first game of our home teams anyway. So, yeah, hopefully it goes well. And you guys, how often do you redraft? Um, so every year our freshies get a chance to come in. Uh, so they have to pass their skills tests to make sure they're safe to skate. As long as they pass that, um, they go into our draft and then, yeah. But throughout the year we'll pull people up if we're short or if people get injured, things like that. So Where, where are they coming from? The Queen's Court? Yes. Yes. Yes, the Queen's Court. I told you we're experts around here. <laughs> what the hell we're talking about? Yes, the Queen's Court. So now, Malice, you are a second year. You know, you're second year in the Derby. Yes. Okay. And Gulia, you are a rookie. Yes, I'm a rookie. All right. So, you know, obviously we've talked to, um, you know, other folks who are a little bit more tenured, but you're coming in like still pretty fresh. Talk to our listeners. Give us like a sneak peek in the, like the Queen's Court and like that development. And, and if you're somebody new, interested in joining the Derby, what's it like for, for them? Um, I mean, I'm not going to lie and say it's not scary because it is. Um, I remember like getting ready to come out of boot camp and moving up to court uh, was terrifying for me. Um, just because, you know, it's really easy to kind of like compare yourself to everybody else, um, you know, if they've been skating for a long time. But, um, you know, everyone is really supportive. Um, you know, I try to kind of celebrate like the little wins and things like that. Um, but it's basically just learning how to play derby. Boot camp is like learning how to roller skate and learning how to do skills. And then Queen's Court kind of goes more into like specific roller derby things, um, like rules, um, you know, how to actually like 
be on the track and, uh, you know, play the game. And not get a penalty. And not get a penalty. Yes. Oh, the penalties <laughs> are the best part. <laughs> coaches don't agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> sport, that's that's why we don't jail. have coaches on. <laughs> well, not anymore. We did have a coach on previously. Yeah, we did have a coach on previously. We did have a coach on previously. What was the moment where you're like, you know what? This shit is for me. Roller derby, this is my jam. Was there anything where you like, oh, yeah, I did this. Like, I, you know, was there anything like where you're like, hell yeah, this is where I want to be. Are you still trying to find that moment? It's okay. I mean, I definitely struggle with like being confident and uh, being like, yes, I should be here. But um, I, I really do like it. If you keep showing up, eventually it'll get easier. I would say for my first bout, getting, yeah. to, getting to knock somebody over. Oh, uh, yeah. Let's. <laughs> Like, like a lot of sports that are contact, right? Like the, that first hit, like up until then, you've got all kinds of nervous jitters. And then you finally get that first hit in and you're like, all right, now we can go. Now, now we can do this. What positions do all three of you play? I'm a blocker. I'm a blocker and a pivot. Okay. A blocker. Blocker. Right. This is the first time we've had no jammers on. It's, you know, that's, this is my speed. <laughs> I, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm all about the no jammer mm-hmm. time. No, no jammer time. Yeah, we're very blocker friendly around here. <laughs> we lo- we love our blockers, folks. Uh, okay, so you know what? We're we're in New York, Jim. Gambling's legal now. Am I so much of a degenerate where I would gamble on roller derby? Yes. Who's to say? But who's to say? But if there was some sports bookie out there, and he was handicapping, or or she, you know, whoever's handicapping, the books are run. By a lot of different people these days. Uh, if I were to go out and put my hard-earned money, we got we got the alley cats, we got the we got the dollies. All right, who's winning? Give me the, give me the intel. Give me like who's favored? I should say. I, I don't know who's going to win. Every, you got to play the games, but who is favored? Alley cats. Oh. Alley cats. Are you both on the alley cats? Yeah, maybe. Okay. <laughs> right. I'm on the saucies. Saucies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so saucies just generally favored for the rest of the season, <laughs> but in this matchup, they're not there. So. <laughs> they're they're not there. Um, is there is there okay? So are the Saucies like the league leaders this year? I, I haven't. No, but, uh, uh, or I, who's projected? I, I don't know that anybody's projected because there there was some uh, mashup from the vets being redistributed among its teams too, right? Yep. So um, uh, during COVID, we kind of took our break. Um, when we came back, it was kind of hard for us to get back into it and things like that. There were still a lot of rules and regulations and things. Um, so we kind of just made up two random teams because we were just like, as long as we play, I don't care what the name on the front of the jersey is. Right. <laughs> uh, so we made up two random teams and just kind of had a throwaway season where we were basically just getting back into it. Um, so this is our first year with our original teams back at it and things like that. So the teams are a little bit more mixed up than they were, you know, before COVID happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's really no way to tell until we kind of get into it. Yeah, which is why that, you should so. get tickets and go to the first bout and get in on the ground floor. So that way you have a, an advantage on gambling on the second bout. That's right. If you are a degenerate, like <laughs> maybe me, who's to say again, but you know, you can get the intel now. Get on the ground floor because I know like, you know, last time uh, we had QCRD on here, I mean, uh, I know the Roller Derby Association, the broader body, um, they took very seriously COVID, COVID regulations, as they should, uh, but maybe more so than even other athletic associations. Like, it was shut down for a while. It took a we're, long time. Really, we're actually, like, international leaders and in how to, like, handle, like, WIFTA was, like, an international leader. Like, yeah. like th- what they were using as regulations and rules were being, like, spread and disseminated among other, like, athletic organizations and even non-athletic organizations because like, it was so well done. Yeah, it did feel like, um, you know, they had nothing but our safety and well-being in their minds, um, which you always love to, you know, feel from your governing body. You know, mm-hmm. you love to know that they're there and they actually care and they're not just, you know, a name on the front. Um, so it was really nice. But now, but now we're back. Now right. we're back for realsies. Now it's know? time to cough on each other. Now, <laughs> now each other's eyes. Right, right, <laughs> right. Beat the shit out of each other. But legally. But legally. Right. But well, legally. Penalties are okay. There's no coaches here. Some of them are, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we we know. So, our, what's this time around, like I said, we've got a couple... Uh, newer players, give us the pitch. Give us the pitch. If you, if if we have listeners, or you know, friends or family members, they might talk to you like, hey, have you thought about doing roller derby? What would be like if you saw a prospective, uh, you know, derby person? Mm-hmm. Like, give give us the give us the elevator. Besides pitch. the fact that like they they carry a switchblade around all the time, 
what else would you want for them to be? <laughs> I think that in the year of our Lord, 2023, um, women and non-binary individuals are taught, don't take up space, don't be loud, don't use your body. And I think roller derby teaches you that it's okay to do all those things. Mm -hmm. There's a place for everyone in the sport. It doesn't matter how big or how small you are, how tall or short you are. There is a place for you. And it's something that immediately drew me in because I think it's so hard to find a space that is like that, especially um, nowadays with everything going on. I 100% agree with that. Um, we will also 100% teach you how to skate, even if you've never skated before. I did not know how to skate when I started. I could barely stand up on my skates when I started. Uh, I started last March at boot camp, and um, now I'm on a home team. So, you know, it's okay if you can't stand up. Show up yeah. anyway. Somebody right. will teach you and take right. care of you. Like Bambi. Just yes. Yeah. Right. No, <laughs> I mean, we have loner gear. Yeah, I, I know. I, I, you know, um, I've mentioned frequently. I mentioned to you guys before we started. Uh, you know, my sister is a derby player. Um, she's actually a coach now as well, and on the executive committee, and totally involved. And you know, it's been something that, like, you know, in my fandom here in QCRD, and then having a family member. That yeah, I agree with you. Like, it it is a space that you know encourages people to do the things that they should be encouraged to do, but aren't often encouraged outside of Derby. Um, and it's it's an incredibly welcoming space. Um, also for fans, it's an incredibly welcoming space. Uh, you can be anybody and be a fan of roller derby and be accepted. And like, I mean, roller derby fandom is like the craziest fandom I've ever seen. <laughs> right. It's, it is because like, like you have like, like the little like 70 year old mom and dad there. And then you have like, like they're good for nothing brother. And like, <laughs> like, you know, like you have everybody in between uh, who is there to just like, just like have an amazing time. And watch the, like these incredible people and, the, and athletes play this sport, and then at the at the end of the day, still be friends with each other, which is tremendous. Yeah, no, and I, like I said, aside from the gambling, which you know, right, please, right, which we're working on. Don't break my thumbs. Um, <laughs> I've already bet on it. No, but I no, I, I think uh, Gulia point well taken. There is that like communities, especially for women and non non binary folks who might not otherwise have an opportunity to display their athleticism or their talent or even just go out and have fun. You know, I, I, often we think of sports as like a male-dominated culture, which unfortunately in our society it is, but it shouldn't be. Like sports are for everybody. Contact sports are for everybody. Um, I'm a big rugby player, so I'm, you know, I support women's rugby too. Same same lane of like, hey, there's very few uh, sports where, um, you know, women and non-binary folks can like be involved and play a contact sport and really excel at it and that, that they're empowered to. So I'm so fortunate that we have uh, QCRD here because not every city has this kind of infrastructure. Like you guys have such an amazing setup um, with the league system, with uh, now with the, the travels coming back, right? Right. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Like, you know, because the last couple of times we've had people from QCRD on, uh, travel wasn't really something that was going on. Uh, I know that the travel teams and, and the competitions are coming back. Uh, so, you know, are any of you on travel? No? Good for you. Saves you a lot of money and time. Right. It's not like you're getting paid to travel. Right. Yeah. No. So it saves you a ton of money and time. But I know that travel is coming back. Um, and that, that's a big thing. And, like, you know, so if you are somebody who wants to support roller derby, go to those travel events, too. You know, like, I know uh, there's one coming up. Uh, in Scranton, Pennsylvania. I don't think QCRD is going there. I know that Maine is going there because my parents are driving from Buffalo to Scranton to watch my sister coach in Scranton, Pennsylvania. That's awesome. Uh, uh, that, that, they're, they're, That's a longer drive than you might think. Right, so. yeah, and, and they're not even like office fans. So like, there's no reason for them to be in Scranton <laughs> besides that. <laughs> yeah, no, su support Derby. Now, all right, give us a schedule for the rest of the season, guys. Do you have it? Um, so February 17th, this Friday, is our home opener. It's the Cats versus the Dollies. Um, March 17th, so the month following, is going to be the Dollies versus the Saucies. March 24th is the Saucies versus the Cats. March 31st is going to be the Dollies versus the Cats. April 7th is going to be the Saucies versus the Dollies. 
March 28th is going to be the Cats versus the Saucies. And then May 5th is our playoffs. And then May 19th is our Cup. Okay. 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 So if you're listening to this, you should definitely, February 17th, put it on your calendar. However, March 17th? We're talking St. Patrick's Day? Yep. Get yourself good and loaded. Right. (laughs) Riverwork sells beer. Riverworks sells beer, and you can wear your green and still be a neutral party because none of the teams are green. Mm-hmm. So you can you can you can root for whoever you'd like. Yes, uh, that uh, that is that sounds like the recipe for an amazing time, an amazing right. day. Right. Let's, we could just we'll all we'll, we'll just make a parade down to uh, Riverworks. Pre-game the old first ward parade <sighs> at Riverworks. Oh Lord! Right, yeah, just yeah. which is also conveniently located next to the old first ward, right? With wonderful bars such as G McCarthy's nearby. Yeah. Oh yes, oh yes. I, I know. I know. You'll, you'll see me at the old first ward. <laughs> I, I, I Re, promise you that. Re and, Re and I at one time played softball uh, for a G McCarthy sponsored team. A long, long time ago. How right. loaded were you? Because oh my god, uh, <laughs> just like the bases. <laughs> Our team, the bases were never loaded. We were always loaded, but the bases never had anybody on them. But uh, no, yeah. Please come out and support uh, QCRD. Now, our wonderful listeners, you know, they already follow you on social media. They know they're in the know. But just in case. Maybe we picked up a couple strays, Jim, who are not privy to QCRD. Where can they find? your socials where is it queen city roller derby on facebook instagram yada yada yep so we have facebook's each of our teams have their own individual facebook and we also have a league facebook um so you can search us on there um our website is qcrd.net um so our schedule and links to join and volunteer for us and events and everything like that sponsorship um that's all on there so if you know anybody who wants to sponsor us um you know we're always looking for that um I think we have an Instagram as well. I know we have a YouTube, so you can always go on our YouTube and watch some old games yeah. if you don't know what's going on, see what we're all about, things like that. So we're pretty much everywhere. And and, then, and make sure you get to the bouts so you can get the good swag. Exactly, yes. exactly. The good swag is at the bouts. Give me an example of good swag. You got like some nice t-shirts, Jim? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I, I know that like if you go onto like the website, you generally can get more of the like QCRD branded stuff. But if you want to get yourself like a Devil Dollies or an Alley Cats branded thing, you need to actually show up to the bout. You actually have to be there in person to, well, to get the team. We have stuff. our online store now, and Do you? you can uh-huh. buy team specific oh, t-shirts. You can man. also uh-huh. like custom make your own item. Like yeah. I ordered a pair of joggers with like the Saucy's logo on it, mm-hmm. so um, it's really great. Yeah, you can put your favorite player on the back if you have like a favorite player. Right. Um, you can get their name and number. Um, I do think we're going to have, though, I think you're right. We do have some game specific gear so that yeah, you have to come to the game there's, to get there's those. There's always been yeah, game specific good. stuff that like you, you can get. That's where I got my, uh, I have uh, a Newcastle uh, toque from the Newcastle <laughs> Derby team yeah. from a, about, uh, from a, a tournament up in uh, Hamilton or Waterloo, maybe. Like I said, we're real deal Derby fans around here at the Square <laughs> Podcast. So, Malice, Hannah Brawl, Gulia, thank you for joining us here at the Square. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks. Thank you.